The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is about to upend traditional thinking and create a community called the church that trusts God to grow them, whose calling is not to be like the mighty oak, but like the pesky, yet beautiful mustard plant. The time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand, and with those words, Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, somewhere in Palestine, begins his earthly ministry. Mark wastes no time detailing what happens next. In rapid fire, we get vignettes, stories, images of what the kingdom of God looks like. Mark 1, 2, and 3, spirits are subject to Jesus, and at his word, they leave a man, a tortured soul. A friend's mother, who just has a fever, is healed. A man with leprosy spreading across his body is given new skin. A paralyzed man begins to cry with his friends as he walks for the first time. A dirty tax collector begins to follow a Jewish rabbi. A fisherman is given the seat of an academic. A shriveled hand is made whole. And already by chapter 3, the powerful in Mark's gospel, the powerful of the earthly kingdom have gotten their heads together and they are beginning to plot the assassination of Jesus. Already in Mark 3, there's the foreshadowing that this isn't going to well <clears throat> end well for him. All of that in Mark 1, 2, and 3. Quick portraits of what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like the good of individuals and the welfare of the cities and towns that Jesus lives in. And the masses are sold. The 98% of the people who are in poverty, who are under the oppression of Roman government, who are under the impression of the Jewish law, the 98% are sold on Jesus. And the crowds are flocking to him. So many crowds that Jesus has to get into a boat because he needs some space So he gets in a boat and he floats out a little ways and the crowds are on the shore and he teaches to them there and they want to know how can we be part of this kingdom, of your kingdom? What's the plan? Where are we going? Jesus' primary message in in his ministry was that the kingdom of God was at hand. That's what he said over and over and over and over again. More than he even talked about himself, he talked about the kingdom. And so they want to know. They're on board. Let's do this. So in the beginning of chapter 4, Mark stops giving us little pictures of what the kingdom of God actually looks like, and he gives us some teaching from Jesus. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who goes out and sows seeds. Remember that parable? The parable of the four soils where the seeds fall in four different places, and there's the birds and the thorns and the heat that stop the first three but then the fourth soil is, is, is good, it's, it's rich, it's dark brown, and the, the, the plant grows 30, 60, and 100 fold. It's a great parable, and, and, and the people seem to get it. Jesus even takes the time to explain what each of the soils means. I mean, it, 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 it's a pretty publishable parable. You know, there's four types of soils, how to be the last one, how to avoid being the three types, and how to be the last soil that produces fruit. 
The disciples are beginning to wrap their heads around it. Jesus takes them aside and explains how God's the sower, the seeds of the word, and each soil, while well, they represent these kind of people, and the disciples are wrapping their heads around it and getting it. And almost, it's almost as if the disciples are latching on too quickly that Jesus switches gears and tells them another sneaky little parable that Matthew and Luke don't bother to give us. Matthew and Luke do a little more editing than Mark does, and this parable doesn't make sense. They maybe have other reasons for not including it, uh, but Mark includes it. Jesus gives this great parable on the sower and the four types of soil, but then he keeps talking, and he says this. He also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and then would sleep and rise night and day. And the seed would sprout and grow. He doesn't know how. The earth produces of itself. First the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth, Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus you weren't really that clear in some of these parables. And so we need your Holy Spirit to help us understand what you would have to say to your people. So I ask that you would be present, that you would help discern, help us discern what your Spirit is saying today. In your name we pray, amen. I was praying that all week. Um, I feel it very genuinely about both of these parables. Chapter 4 opens up, like I said, with the parable of the four soils and the sower. And in that situation, Mark uses the, the word farmer and God is the farmer. And he, he, he scatters seed and the seed is the word of God. And the four soils are types of people. But then he comes to this parable and, and, and the tables are kind of turned. It's not a farmer anymore. Mark uses the really... Um, uh, just the odd word in, in Greek, bale, thrower. It's not a farmer, it's just someone throwing. It's just someone driving by, throwing seed out the window. And that's us. We're, we're the people, we're the throwers. He doesn't call us farmers or sowers. He calls us the throwers. We throw the seed. And, 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 and the seed hits the soil and the soil's not us anymore. Now the soil seems to be God. And, 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 and the seeds hit the soil and they kind of just grow on their own. And we have very little role in it. We kind of just throw the seeds out the window and see what happens. The first parable has clarity. It's understandable. There's an explanation. In the second parable, the seeds hit the ground and they grow. The Greek word is automate, automatically. Um, that's, where, that's where we get the word automatically from. And I, I, as I was wrestling with this parable, trying to figure out what it what it means, I felt two things primarily. One was a little bit of indignation at the idea that I don't play a larger role. And, and, and specifically because I've, I've, I've been around enough churches um, and enough Christians 
and have gone through seasons in my own life where I, I felt like I was hitting the snooze button so much that nothing was happening, or churches that um, you know, could care less about if, if new people were coming in their doors or if the new people were feeling welcome, um, and, and, and nothing happens in that case. And so I thought, is this really true that, um, that things just grow automatically, or not automatically, that, that's a poor... Uh, by the energy of the soil itself and not by my somehow doing something. That was my first impulse, sort of this, well, not really by itself. It has to have me. But then as I sat with it longer, of course it happens without me. Of course, when I'm in those seasons of of sloth or laziness, God's spirit is still at work. Our confession today... um, we, we, we confessed, we said, please forgive us for the way in which our lack of belief, um, oh, no, 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 we lose hope that you are at work in the world to bring about the new heavens and the new earth. Forgive us when we imagine that it's up to us, that God is not at work in his own ways, bringing about the kingdom of God. And so obviously it does happen apart from me, without me, in spite of me. Of course, God's spirit is always at work expanding the kingdom but often we miss out on it or we mistake political growth or organizational growth for growth of the kingdom. So often in the, in the history of the church, when we think about the church's growth, you know, what, what, was it God's spirit that was growing the church during the Crusades? No. It was power and greed and fear masquerading as the church. That grew, the ch- that, 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 that grew the church. That wasn't kingdom growth. God's spirit is always at work causing the good of individuals and the welfare of the city, which is part of our mission statement. But it's always also inviting us to be a part of that kingdom growth. Paul synthesizes these two ideas in such a beautifully profound way that it's almost as if the same spirit was speaking through Jesus that was speaking through Paul when he writes to the Corinthians, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they'll be rewarded according to their own labor for we are co-workers in God's service. This first parable that Jesus offers us following the parable of the four, four soils tells, paints us a picture of how the kingdom of God grows and we throw seeds and the energy of God grows that we are co-laborers with him. Paul helps us see our role, I think, a little clear. The second parable, the mustard seed, I had never read the parable of the mustard seed on top of this other parable as closely as I did. And as I read them together, um, I, I read the parable of the mustard seed in a new way. In most of the commentaries, and often when you hear about mu- the mustard seed, what, is, what, what gets most of the time of the author um, is, is, is how large the mustard seed grows, the contrast in size between the tiny seed and how big the mustard plant eventually gets. But here's the thing, the mustard plant doesn't get that large. And so um, you, I find commentators really trying to like stretch how big the mustard plant gets, and it doesn't get that big. If you were going to make that point, you'd make it much better with the analogy of an acorn to an oak 
Or like in Ezekiel, and Jesus may be playing on this passage in Ezekiel where he talks about the cedars of Lebanon and starting from a sprig of a cedar and growing into the full thing. But Jesus doesn't use a cedar or the oak. He uses the mustard seed. And I think, and I think the key to this parable is in those two sneaky little words that he sneaks in. Um, so that... The mustard seed is less about how it grows or the size that it starts at or that it gets to. And it's more about the form that the kingdom of God takes. So that, so that the birds of the air can create nests in its shade. The kingdom of God grows by the spirit of God working alongside of the people of God so that the birds of the air can create nests in its shade. We are attracted in the parable of the mustard seed to the image of growth, of expanse, of expanding our power and control and reach. And the church has done that throughout history without apology. And that is, in a sense, what we spend our days doing in a way, I think, expanding our own growth and control and power and title. But whenever the crowds get too big, Jesus leaves. And the kingdom of God isn't like an oak or a cedar. It's a garden plant with awkwardly large green leaves and yellow flowers. It's a silly plant that provides shade and rest. And that is what Grace Chicago was founded to do. There's a temptation to read this parable and to think that it's a summons to unqualified growth. Leslie Newbigin writes this, though. He says, When the church tries to embody the rule of God in the forms of earthly power, it may achieve that power, but it is no longer a sign of the kingdom. The parable of the mustard seed is not about how big and how large we can get, It's about how much shade and rest we can provide for the birds of the air. And that is what we were founded to do. That's what the church was founded to do. And that's what Grace Chicago was founded to do in a unique way. And I think in the same way that that, that Mark gives us those snapshot vignettes of what the kingdom of God looks like, I think when when we celebrated our 15-year anniversary last November, we gave some quick snapshots of what it has looked like over the past years to create shade and rest so that people can build nests and find homes where maybe they had given up finding homes. I think at our storytelling workshop that we had a few months ago, when we had one side of the room represent birth and the other side of the room represent uh, present day, and people were asked to go stand along that line at, at a point in their life where they felt completely accepted, completely perhaps as if they had found rest, had found a nest where they could call home. And people stood in different places, and some of them stood in places to talk about this church, some about other stories in their lives. And we told stories about moments, little snapshots of moments where we found rest in the branches of the kingdom. And that's what we're called to do. And as we take the form of the kingdom of God, As we create more of those stories, more of those pictures, 
those snapshots of, of, of people finding rest and hope in a God that maybe they've give, given up on or finding grace and rest at this table, a table that maybe they haven't been back to in a long time, we find that God's spirit grows the church. As we take on the form of the kingdom, embodying in our own life the life of Jesus, creating shade for people who are tired, God will do the work of causing growth both in us and in our church. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would make us a a people who have eyes to see and ears to hear uh, ways that we can be rest and shade for a world that is tired. Pray that you would help us to cultivate relationships that allow people to build to build nests of belonging. Help us to find rest as well in your kingdom. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.